Welcome to the Senia Happy Hour Podcast with your host, Lori Bull. We know you're busy, so we bring you one hour's worth of content in under 30 minutes, leaving you time for a true happy hour. Hello, Senia Happy Hour listeners. This is Lori Bull, your host, and today I speak with someone you all know and love, Sarah Ward. Sarah is no stranger to you all as she was a speaker at our virtual conference in 2020 and is our go-to expert on executive functioning. But just in case this is the first time hearing from Sarah, allow me to share a few words about her. Sarah Ward is a speech-language pathologist and has over 25 years of experience in the field and in the treatment of executive dysfunction. She and her co-director, Kristen Jacobson, of their 360 Thinking Executive Function Program, received the Innovation Innovative Promising Practices Award from the national organization, CHAD. Sarah has presented to over 1,400 public schools and private schools in the United States, Canada, and Europe. So today, Sarah and I speak about processing speed and the complexities of taking in information, organizing it in your brain, and then taking action. Who knew it was so complicated? But you know, Sarah explains it so much better than I ever could. So I'm done talking. And now on to the show. Hello, Sarah, and welcome back to our podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited for the invitation to come back and really look forward to connecting today. Well, you know, you are well-loved in the Senya community, so (laughs) (laughs) everyone wants to hear more from Sarah Ward. (laughs) Well, let's dive in. Yes, let's. So today we're going to be discussing processing speed um, and how that relates with executive functioning. One of my favorite topics, actually. Cool. It's a huge problem we see for kids. Good. Well, please explain it to us. So define processing speed. What's it even mean? So I think that processing speed can be kind of confusing because typically people think of processing speed and they think, well, if you have slow processing speed, you must be slow. And that's really not the case. So processing speed is just how quickly students can react to information That could be things they see, things they hear, things they touch, that sensory piece, right? How quickly they take that information in, understand it in their mind, think about that information, then formulate and execute a response to that information. So it's basically information comes in, how quickly can you think about it? And then what do you do with it? What's your output? And it's really important to understand that information processing is absolutely not the same as intelligence. It's possible to be extremely bright and yet process information very slowly. I've seen that. It's also possible for students to be extremely bright and have extremely fast processing. And that actually can impact your performance and ability to execute tasks as well. And it is not correlated to physical quickness. So for example, I have students with really slow processing speed that are also incredible little athletes that get out there on the field and they can run faster than anything you've ever seen. So it's just at the very basic level, input, how fast you do something with it and output. Hmm. That's so interesting. And so it, 
you're having difficulties with processing speed challenges, those impact most areas of executive functioning. Is that so? It does. Um, not always, but generally, yes, because of course, in order to execute a task, you need to be able to engage your visual working memory and processing speed can be highly correlated to visual processing. So you have to be able to take in information in your mind, formulate your own plan of action and rehearse what it is that you're going to do and then execute that plan. So we find that there are students where it can take them, for example, if a teacher gives a directive in a class, a long time to process that direction, formulate their response, and then execute that direction so they can be behind. Uh, when they're sitting there and they're formulating a response to maybe what they're going to write on an essay, or they're formulating a response of, how they're going to get themselves dressed, choose an outfit, or to go upstairs and gather the materials they need to get out the door to soccer. All of that requires formulation of a response and therefore your processing speed can impact that. Right, okay. So I was doing some research for this podcast and I came across an old presentation that you had done. Um, mm. And on one of those presentations, uh, you had a quote from Dr. Ellen Broughton. Is that yes, how I Ellen think? Broughton? She's okay. amazing. She's out of Mass General Hospital and really is uh, one of the only authors of a book on processing speed. I think it's called um, Fast Kids, Slow Thinkers, or something like that. But it's definitely okay. a book worth worth reading. Okay, cool. I'll put that in the uh, show notes. Um, definitely. So she says, if executive functioning is the car, processing speed is the engine. The more powerful the engine, the faster the car can go. Good executive functioning depends on the quality of the engine. More efficient engines allow the car to function at a higher level of efficiency. I love that quote. Yes. So, so break that down for us, would you? Okay. So absolutely. So it, it's really simplistic when you think about it. So if you think about executive function as being, you have a goal, uh, I want to get dressed and get out the door, I want to write a paper, I want to uh, prepare for and produce a podcast, <laughs> whatever it might be. Uh, you have to get from where you are now in this moment in time to your goal. So executive function is the car. It's what allows you to get from here to there. Executive function is your ability to identify that goal, break down the steps of what it is that you're going to do in order to achieve that goal, and how you're going to get from point A to point B to achieve that goal. So it's a car. You know, how do you just get from here to there, your goal? Now, processing speed is the engine. So if you imagine that we lift up the hood of a car and we look inside an engine, uh, we want to see how efficiently that car is running. So if we lift up that executive func the hood of the executive function car, it's how efficiently is the person organizing and breaking down information in order to execute a plan. So for example, I could have the plan to be dressed and out the door on time for school. That's my goal executive function allows me to get there to be able to know that I need to um, get dressed and brush my teeth and put on my shoes and have my backpack and be out the door. 
But remember, processing speed is how quickly you take information in, do something with it, and then execute that plan. So if I look at underneath the hood of that and the efficiency, how quickly can that student make a decision of what to wear? Um, how quickly can that student make the decision of the sort of uh, even just the brushing the teeth process? You know, am I going to floss this morning? Am I going to you know use this toothpaste? Um, am I going to do it in this bathroom or in the other bathroom? I mean, it's all those kinds of pieces. And you know, there's something that um, I, I think there's two other things that are have been very helpful to me uh, in thinking about processing speed. So one is is that when we actually give tests to kids and we measure their processing speed and we determine whether they have low or really fast processing speed, quite honestly, those IQ tests that measure processing speed are really much more like a doctor's thermometer or blood pressure cuff. It just tells you you have a temperature and you have to do a little more investigation to say, why do you have a temperature or you, know, you have high blood pressure, let's investigate the root cause. Processing speed indexes are just the same. They simply are telling you, you've got slow processing and then you have to go a little and dig a little deeper and say, well, what is the contributor to that? Is it that you're having trouble breaking down visual information? Is it that you're having trouble breaking down the auditory information? Um, and the second part about it that's kind of confusing is the processing speed index on um, intelligence tests actually don't measure your ability to process information. I mean, it's not like, right? So, you know, if I give you a, the intelligence test and you have a low processing speed score, that is not at all indicative of how effectively you process information sitting in a lecture hall uh, while a professor is providing you a lecture. It doesn't measure that. Um, the processing tests actually measure a student's accuracy um, in identifying visual information making decisions and acting on those decisions. So again, it's the ability to take it in, formulate a response and act. So um, point number one is, of course, <laughs> the phone interruption, uh, <laughs> divided attention. Um, point number one is that processing speed IQ tests don't necessarily measure your ability to process you know, linguistic information. So that's point number one. Now, here's the second thing that has been incredibly helpful to me is that um, there's been a lot of articles that have talked about the fact that one way to look at processing speed is that every single thing that you and I do has a routine and a complex component to it. And I find this really fascinating because it's helpful to think about it in order to support students with processing speed challenges. So let me give you an example. Um, there is a routine to getting dressed. Every morning you get dressed, the, the core routine is you put on undergarments, you put on pants and a shirt or a dress, whatever it might be, you will add footwear and you may or may not add accessories. Now, the complex decision is, uh, what is the context of where I'm going today or what is the weather like? Mm -hmm. So if the weather is really going to be cold, then I'll choose to wear long sleeves. If it's raining, I'll choose to wear boots. 
if I'm going somewhere today and I have an interview, then I may choose to dress in more of business attire than my casual at home Zoom loungewear. <laughs> right. Which yeah. I'm kind of, you know, <laughs> fond of these days. <laughs> okay. Me but, too. Um, so, you know, let me give you another uh, example. Um, when children are in school, we teach them the routine components, if you will, of a textbook. So a textbook has a title, it has subtitles, it has headings, there are pop-out boxes and visuals and captions and bolded words. And that just becomes a routine that we know that's how textbooks are organized and we can use that organization to guide our processing and planning. The complex decision is, what is this textbook topic about and what is the information I'm looking for? So if I'm reading a history textbook and I know the purpose is to determine the cause of the particular civil war battle, then I'm gonna use that core organization of titles and headings and subtitles to guide me in more quickly processing where to find that information. Um, so, even for example, uh, we talk a lot about this with written expression. Uh, if I'm going to write something, so many times in schools, we teach kids patterns of organized thought, contrast comparison, cause and effect, descriptive, um, persuasive organizational patterns. You know, that's not just fun and fluffy stuff to teach in school. It's that that core organizational pattern becomes the routine so that I can then make the complex decision of how am I going to um, convey my argument, say for, you know, whatever the essay prompt is, you know, uh, why do we think we should wear uniforms in school or not? You know, I then have to choose, oh, okay, here's the routine organization of information. And now let me add my complex ideas on top of that. So truly, everything that we do has a routine. I mean, even, you know, a shower has a routine of you're going to wash your hair and your face and your body and the whole thing. The complex decision is how much time do I have? Where am I going today? Um, you know, what are the set of circumstances? If I don't have very much time and I need to just quickly hop in the shower, I may choose not to shampoo and wash my hair because I can go with the messy bun to join the Zoom loungewear. <laughs> <laughs> you see where I'm going with this? I do. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so I'm kind of picturing it in my head as a bunch of kind of puzzle pieces. And then it's kind of a matter of how fast you can put that puzzle together um, and then go from there. Um, that's right, how I'm seeing it. If, yeah. if the teacher says to you, okay, class, it's time for whatever math, mm -hmm. you need your math manipulatives and your whiteboard and your dry erase marker. Well, again, kids with really good information processing, they've already locked the routine of the classroom in mind. They mm -hmm. know its core organizational structure. They know where everything is. And so the minute the teacher gives them that, they don't have to pull up, okay, where are the math manipulatives? Okay, where are the whiteboards? Okay, so if the math manipulatives over there, and then what are the math manipulatives? All right, well, there's circle ones, and then there's cubes. Okay, I'm going to go get the circle. They don't do that. They immediately know there's the math zone, there's the circles, there's the material zone. I'm going to go get that. 
And so again, it's not an inability. It's just that it takes a little longer. And I have a really favorite example of, of in my mind, uh, how to describe what this difference between routine and complex and processing speed is. Um, so I use Zoom all the time for um, my telesessions with students and typically when I'm lecturing and presenting. Now, once in a grand while, someone has the audacity to send me a Google Meet link. <laughs> okay. I'm not, I understand that trauma. <laughs> right? It's traumatic. And again, the thing about it is I'm not, you know, I don't have low intelligence. I don't have an inability, but the routine of Google Meet is not routine to me. Like it's not automatic. I, I know that there's a chat box. I know there's a place to share my screen. I know there's an option to change my background, but it's not automatic for me. So it takes me a bit to observe that information, formulate a response, take it in and respond. And so I am slower at my sort of efficiency with which I can present with Google Meet. So that's a really good example. It's not an inability. It's not a lack of intellect. It's merely that you've got to kind of pull that core familiarity out. And truly, I think the other thing that's just so important to understand is if, if you think about that example of using Google Meet, at the end of my meeting, I'm exhausted because I'm doing twice the work. I'm not only presenting, but I'm also, okay, you know, navigating the, the software and the whole program. Bless our children's hearts. Kids mm-hmm. with slow processing speed, they are working twice as hard as everybody else. And they come home exhausted. I mean, just totally spent. Um, it is a lot of work. And so many of my students, um, they really can't do two things at the same time. And this impacts them at school significantly. So to give you an example, they really can't eat a snack and socialize at the same time. They will either socialize or they will eat their snack because they just can't, it's too much processing to sort of uh, navigate that. So we have a lot of kids where parents will say, he's coming home hangry. Well, of mm-hmm. course, because mm-hmm. he just didn't, he couldn't, he you know, didn't have to give that up. Or another good example, if students are in my office and they need to pack up at the end of the day, or they're in the classroom, that transition between the time class is ending and the next class is starting is a really fantastic social moment for kids. It's a, where they get to connect and socialize and uh, catch up and plan as they walk down the hall. My students, they can either pack their bag or they can socialize, but they can't do both. Mm -hmm. So what I find is if you talk to them while they're packing their bag, they come to a grinding halt and they stop packing and they socialize. Then everybody leaves the classroom and you can see them go, oh no. And they then put materials in their bag. Again, that routine of a packed bag may not be routine for them. See, you and I, if you're driving, you ever notice how you're driving and you're like, oh, I need chapstick and you reach over and you can drive and get chapstick at the same time. It's because you just know organizationally, the front pocket always has chapstick. The middle pocket always has my phone and keys and the back pocket has um, you know, my money and wallet. You just can visualize and do that. Again, it's not that they don't know it, it's just not routine to pull it up. So for that reason, one of the very best ways to improve processing speed is 
really build strong schemas for routines. Give, give kids just stalt visuals of, you know, a photograph. What does, what are the features of being dressed? You have a top, you have a bottom, you have footwear, a backpack, accessories, and have that photograph so that you can just say to them, okay, it's going to be freezing cold today. How will this look different? I'll need a hat. I'll need mittens for footwear. I'll need boots. Um, show them those core features of how textbooks are organized. Introduce them to those patterns of organized thoughts. Um, pull the routine out, uh, even for things like, you know, being prepared for soccer, setting a table, any opportunity you have to give the routine. So if the core routine of setting a table is, you know, a placemat and a plate and utensils, you know, remind that. And then we talk a lot about, okay, well, if tonight we're having soup, how would it be the same, but different? Um, instead of just saying, oh, we're having soup tonight, set the table. I know it sounds different, but you've got to start with the core mm -hmm. and then scaffold the, the novelty on top of it. Right. Yeah. Oh, these are all great strategies. Uh, you know, I, and I think what I'm hearing is even so uh, one of my questions was going to be what strategies can teachers or family members use and but for students who are struggling in this area, but I think all of these strategies are good for every student they in are. the classroom. They so, are. And, and that's pretty powerful when teachers can understand that when they're when they're teaching to that maybe they're a student with the higher needs in that area they're really benefiting every student in their classroom. It, it, it's so true because um, to be honest with you, some of the kids that I find that have um, the most significant struggle with executive function planning um, are not only my students with slow processing, but the opposite, my kids with really fast processing speed. So kids with really fast processing speed, what happens is they are processing information so quickly. They're often two or three beats ahead of you. <laughs> so you're talking about something they've gone click and they've got the information and they've moved on. And what happens is that results oftentimes in excessive mind wandering. So their minds are wandering so quickly to other things and other topics and information that was triggered by the ideas of what you talked about, that then their attention, it's often hard for them to re-engage to where they were and what it was that they need to do. So for example, you give them the directive, get your math manipulatives and you know your whiteboard. And all of a sudden they heard math manipulatives, which made them think of fractions, which made them think of pie day. And then they thought about the pie that they were going to make. And they are off and running. And sometimes you will see these kids literally standing still and they're, they're just thinking <laughs> and, ah. and then they don't really engage. And so I find it's the exact same thing. Even routines for those kids are really helpful because it anchors that distractibility in where it is that they need to go and what it is that they need to do. Um, and, and I find that, that that to be incredibly powerful and helpful for our students. Mm, definitely. So you've alluded to this, you've actually answered it several times, but just to, to 
narrow it down for our listeners. How can we as educators or family members recognize if a child might be having difficulties in this area? Um, it, yeah, so, you know, again, it is a little bit on that tricky side because um, processing speed can be a culprit of many other sorts of things. Like I said, it can be, uh, so that being said, um, kids with slow processing speed, let me give more kind of what it is. Um, they have a harder time integrating and encoding information. So this may be the student that in math hears something and learns it, but by the time they get home, they haven't really sort of put all together what it is that they need to do. They need a lot of spiraling back of content. So it may take them, um, they may hear all of those facts in a lecture and it may take them significantly longer to integrate all of that and go, oh, right, we were talking about the, you know, the reasons and the problems of why the colonists um, struggled to establish communities along the coast, right? I mean, like, they're, they're hearing all of that. It just takes them much longer to get kind of the integrate and the core kind of like purpose of the content that that is. Um, so their ability to acquire new material can be tougher. Um, we also see that slow processing can present as kids who sit down to do homework and they truly take twice as long as their peers. Um, and it's very frustrating for the student and it's very frustrating for the parent. So as they're sitting down to do the math or the reading, um, it's not that they're distracted per se, it's just taking them, you know, if, if that reading assignment was supposed to take your average student 20 minutes, they may spend 40 minutes on it. And it's not because they're distracted. It's not because they're rolling around on the floor or, um, you know, playing with the dog and, and all of those things. They're truly working through it. It's just taking longer. So that's a, that's a good sign is that if, if you're seeing those things happening a lot, that can be hard. Um, mm -hmm absolutely following instructions and transitioning between tasks is hard. Um, some of my students with processing speed, um, the parents will state and students will complain. Mom says, uh, we're headed out the door, run upstairs and grab your sweatshirt. And don't forget you need um, that gift card because we're gonna stop by Target. These kids will go, you're telling me too many things. I mean, they'll, they'll literally say to that, I can't do all that. Um, so following instructions and multi-step directions, um, is tough routines can take forever. And it, it is just sometimes, uh, it can present as being physically slower, but it's not that they're physically slow. It's just, they're taking a long time to process. So many parents will say, oh my goodness, it's taking us, <coughs> um, our routine he goes in the bathroom for 40 minutes and I don't even know what's going on. I mean, it's taking forever for them to get out of the bathroom. It's taking forever for them to eat breakfast. I mean, and you think we have got to go and you can't just sort of um, move them sure. along. Right. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess the other thing I would say is making decisions and reasoning under time demands can be really challenging. Mm -hmm. Um it just takes longer to think about and make a decision and problem solve and reason. Hmm. Well, you've given us a lot to chew on today, Sarah. So <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs>
Um, and I think we're out of time. I, we may have even gone over time, but it's just such important information for all of us. So thank you. Thank you for your You're time. Welcome. Yeah. And... I would just say, you know, like it, the good news is you can fix it. Uh, not always solve the problem, but there's so many compensatory things. And right. if there's just one little tip is, is really highlight the core organization and routines of tasks and then scaffold the new on top of it. And that really improves things. Perfect. Thank you so much, Sarah. Have a great day. Thank you again for having me. Have a great one. Okay. Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, including how to subscribe and show notes, please head to our website. That's senyainternational.org slash podcasts. Until next time, cheers.